All right, we're in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be on the backside of chapter 12 tonight, Lord willing. We're going to pick up some of the text we read last week. I want to talk to you from the subject, so you want to go down to Egypt. And again, I remind you that to read ahead, we're sending out to read uh, sometime the, the same day. Uh, you can read and kind of have your mind prepared. Uh, next week, we're going to do chapter 13 and 14, I think. So I need you to read that because we won't be able to cover all the content just so you kind of keep track. All right, so our study in Genesis. So what does faith look like? We talked about that last week. Faith looks like if you were to, to tell the story. Now, we would maybe give a definition, but the Bible says Abraham. This, this is what faith looks like. Look at the life of Abraham. Paul really takes time in Romans chapter 4 to just kind of show us what faith looks like. And he tells the story about Abraham and how he pleased God. And it was counted, uh, he, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness sake. So uh, his name at this juncture of the story is Abram. We'll get to the name change a little bit later. But just so you know, Abraham is what faith looks like. So he, Abraham is the man who brings the true worship of, of, of the one true God. He brings worship back to the human race. Uh, so what, what's happened from the flood, well, even prior to the flood, it kind of caused some of the flood. What's happened from the flood to the Tower of Babel that humanity has chosen to pull away from God, do their own thing. Kind of what happened in the Garden of Eden now has gotten on steroids, so to speak, and it's spread all over the human race. People are doing their own thing. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. Uh, but they're not just not worshiping. You notice that? They're, they're building a tower. It's a, it's, a, it's a worship tower. It's a temple up to heaven to join heaven and earth. They're, they're, they're still worshiping. So they're worshiping these false gods, this false religion. And now is that, is that still with us today? Oh, ain't no doubt. There ain't no doubt at all. So... So now with Abraham, we're, we're going from people building towers now to a man who builds altars. That's one of the things that Abraham's called by. He's called the man who builds altars. All throughout his story, you're going to see him tracking. He's going to build an altar just about everywhere he goes. Okay. So we go from people trying to make their name great. Remember the Tower of Babel? We want to make a name for ourselves, right? People are trying to make their name great. Now we're shifting to a man whom God promises to give him a great name. So it's kind of like the thing with the Garden of Eden again. You can do it God's way and eat of the tree of life, or you can try to circumnavigate all of that and do your own thing, but that doesn't end at the tree of life. It ends in death. So God promises to make Abraham's name great. You can try to make your own name great. You can be selfish about it. You can kind of want that fame and fortune thing to where everybody knows who you are and everybody knows how bad you are and how good you are or whatever you want to call it. Or you can put your stock in God and let him do according to his will and his purpose and his plan for your life. That's what Abraham does. Okay. So we go from people who are under the influence of dark spiritual powers, all the flood, Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9, all of that story. Tower of Babel, people under the influence of dark spiritual beings to a man who chooses to follow the one true God. So this shift in history is really big. Okay, It's really big. Abraham brings, that's why he's the friend of God. He brings, well, God's always on the scene, so it's kind of hard to say it like that, but he brings the worship of God back on the scene. All right? So now we started last week in chapter 12 of verse 1. It says, the Lord had said to Abram. The Lord spoke to him and he heard it. And he listened and he obeyed. So, so now we have a person in the earth who will listen and obey the word of the Lord. We got somebody on the planet now. And this man's going to be responsible for raising up a family. And this family is to carry on this lineage. 
of the worship of the one true God. So faith looks like this. God speaks, you hear and do what he says. That's faith, isn't it? You hear and do what he says. We got, there's no song. Remember that old song, the old hymn that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. That's what Abraham does. He trusts and he obeys. Or we could say he has faith and he obeys. Trust and faith, they're synonymous. God promises, Abraham believes. Now get this. I'm not trying to play with words here, but just get this idea. It's not that Abraham believes in God. See, the demons even believe in God. Jesus, when they come, I mean, Jesus said the demons even have that kind of level of faith. It's not that Abraham believes in God. It's but that he believes God. You see what the difference is? A lot of people believe in God. I mean, I mean, go outside and you, you can get that much just in creation. But it, it, this kind of faith, what God's talking about, it's not just believing in him. It's believing him and then doing what he says. So it requires faith and action. It, it's believing, it's trusting, and that means you've got to act. You've got to act on what you believe, right? So faith is, for us in the, in the new, t- new Covenant, faith is believing in Jesus. And let's build on that. Believing in Jesus and what he's done. But I like to say it like this. One, one, the teacher on, on one of my Israel trips, he said it like this. Faith is also believing what Jesus believed. I said that's where he's trying to take us. He wants us to believe in him, no doubt, no doubt about it. He, he comes emphatically and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wants us to put our faith and trust in him. But then he becomes our teacher so that we can understand what he understands. And we can believe what he believes. We can believe what he believes about God, what he believes about the kingdom of God, what he believes about life and how to treat people, how to handle your finances and your money, how to honor God, what Jesus believes about eternity. It's not just about us believing in Jesus, but we start getting in that process of discipleship to where we begin to believe what Jesus believes, what he knows. That's, that, isn't that what the New Testament is full of? That kind of, that kind of information? So faith involves a mind that believes... A mouth that confesses and feet that follow what Jesus says. Read that with me, will you? Faith involves a mind that believes, a mouth that confesses, and feet that follow what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, this idea of faith. Now, what does it mean to be a Christian? Now, think about this. Okay, we have a little, little graph here for you. Right, you, got, you got a couple different crowds here. You got the follow the rules crowd. Okay. Let's see. The follow the rules crowd. Okay, so that would be like the Pharisees. They're they're big on the rules, right? You may call them conservatives. You may call them traditional people. You, they're kind of the older brother type. Remember the older brother in the parable, Luke fifteen parable. The older brother he he wanted him to follow the rules. You just do what you're supposed to do. So so how how does a person come into salvation? How does a person become a Christian? Do you follow? Is it follow the rules? There's this other crowd. It's kind of on the other side of the fence. It's the follow your heart crowd. Okay, they're all about the feeling of, of all the good stuff you feel, and hey, I love all that kind of stuff myself. You've got to follow your heart. So they would be the more liberal-minded folks, the free-spirited types. You know, they they got flowers on their bus, and they're driving around town. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. <laughs> well, no, they're just free-spirited, you know. That's the younger brother types. He's kind of free-spirited, isn't he? He's ready to hit the road, man. I, I'm going to take what, what's mine, and I'm going to make something good. That's what his idea is. So you got... How, how do you do this thing? Is it follow the rules? Or is it follow your heart? Well, it's neither, is it? It's follow Christ. That's how you're a Christian. That's how you, that's how you come into salvation. 
Not by following the rules. Jesus is plain. It's not by works. It's by grace, right? But it's also not by following your heart because whether you realize it or not, that's what that crowd doesn't realize. Their heart is desperately wicked. It's full of sin and it will lead them in the wrong path. So the key to salvation is follow Christ. Jesus says it like this, follow me, right? This is the way. This is the way to do it. So God's given Abraham some instructions, didn't he? Remember the instructions? He said to leave. What did he say to leave? Yeah, your country, your kin, and your father's house. Isn't that what he said? So, so there, there's that aspect of faith. That, that, that's got to be a big step for him, right? So leave. But here's the deal. You can't, leave, you can't live your new life until you leave your old life. Isn't that true? And some of us have had the testimony that when we started trying to follow Jesus or started investigating, we had a hard time letting go of this so that we could grab a hold of this. A lot of folks get in that dilemma, don't they? It's hard to do that sometimes. So God comes to him and says, you've got to leave where you're at and go where I tell you. So leave and go. The kind of marriage is kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't need any pictures of old girlfriends around, do we? You've got to leave all that, right? Yeah, what's this doing on your phone? What is this in your wallet, you know? But that's what God says. No other God's before me. I don't want any old pictures in your wallet. Your old life is over with, you know? Your old lovers are gone. That kind of thing. You, you, Genesis says it like this. Leave and cleave. Remember that? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It's the idea of leaving the old and stepping into the new, right? So leave and he's going to go. He's going to go on this journey. Does he have a map? Does he really even have a clue? <laughs> No, he doesn't really know what he's going into. All he knows is God said go, and he's, it, God gives him some pretty clear directions on where to go, to the land of Canaan. So he knows he's, he's got kind of a generalized direction where he's going to go, and this journey is going to start. I'm going to show you where you need to go. And that's, that's the way it is walking with God. You, you don't get the full meal deal right off the bat, because if God was to tell you all the stuff is coming down the pipe, you would not even want to go anyway. You know, you think you want to know. Do you really? Mm-mm. Maybe not. So the point is to, know, to, to walk with God. That's the point, right? So God tells him to leave. God tells him to go. And God makes promises to this man. Remember the promises? I'll make your name great. I'm, I'm going to bless you and you can be a blessing. I'm going to protect you, Abraham. That's going to kind of come into play today in our story, this part of it. I'm going to protect you. And, and if people bless you, I'm, I'm going to bless them. If they curse you, look out. I'm coming after them. Isn't that what God said? If they curse you, I'm going to curse them. That's, that's pretty strong language now. If you know anything about blessing and cursing in the Bible, it's pretty strong stuff. So now, there's, there's something else we're, we're going to see about faith. Abraham's going to go for it today. He's going to step right into this idea. It will always be tested. Faith will always be tested. That's just the way it works. You say, man, I don't really like that. Well, it don't matter what you like. This is reality. You know what I'm talking about? It's just reality. Didn't, didn't the tree in the garden teach us that? Remember that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Didn't that teach us in the garden? There's always a test. Whenever God says, there's always a test that comes against it. There's always a temptation to go the other direction. So Abraham's going to face his first test right here. All right? And there will be tests. And you will be graded. <laughs> and you love tests, don't you? Not really. None of us do. 
All right, let's start in verse number 4 of chapter 12 and read to verse number 10, I believe, is where we want to go. So this is back into some of our story. Let's get the context. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. That's a pretty important step. That's a big step. You know what the biggest step was? That very first one, wasn't it? He's leaving everything familiar. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's pretty bright. That's kind of middle age where that lifespan is in this particular time. So he's in the middle of his life. And God says, let's change the game right here. And he does. Sarah, bless her heart, was in her 60s. Talking about having a baby. Jesus help us. <laughs> How about that, Deborah? That'd be something, wouldn't it? Uh, huh. <laughs> Verse number five. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Remember, his brother had passed away in chapter 11. And all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So he's got quite a, a following. He's got quite a caravan that's going to be with him. In fact, when he goes to war and fighting the, the five kings, when he goes to war, he's got 318 soldiers. So, I mean, this is not a small group. This is not a small group of gypsies. It's a big group of people, right? So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the tabernacle tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. He said, Just take a look around. Take a look. This is going to be yours. And there he built, Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. There's again, second altar. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Verse number 10. This is our new stuff today. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. All right. So, so a severe famine. So that means where he was in, in that south part of the Holy Land right there, what we call the Holy Land, the promised land. No food, no water, nothing for the livestock. Stuff's running out, stock's drying up. Mama's done cooked the last bit of turnip greens. It's getting tough, right? Something's happening here. It's not good. There's, they're in dire straits. You remember that song, that, that, that phrase, dire straits? Remember that? Remember that old 80s band, dire straits? That was an old 80s band. Remember them? Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. So, so they're in a very bad, difficult situation. And did you know... Have you been living long enough to know that trouble always comes on this faith journey? It's just a part of life. Jesus said emphatically, in this world, you will have trouble. You might as well count on it. So, so we just, he says stuff like that just to purge the naivety out of your soul so that when it happens, you don't, you, you don't just go, <gasps> what? <laughs> somebody said, why me, Lord? And I guess somebody else said, why not you? You know, it might be your turn. You know, it's, sometimes it just is. So, so now, can, can you be in the will of God and go through a terrible season? Well, he's right in the middle of the will of God. He's, right, he's listening to the word of the Lord. God's spoken to him, put him in the right direction. He's in the right spot, and boom, still trouble hits. Right? Just, just know that. Just know that. 
So it doesn't blindside you as bad. Now, we still don't like it. Nobody likes it when the water dries up and the food dries up and trouble comes and everything gets tight. So what do you do when it gets real bad? Well, you do what most Bible-believing, church-going Christians do, and you panic, right? <laughs> kind of, he does a little bit of that. What, what do you do when it gets real bad? Okay, let's say it like this. What are you supposed to do? Y'all know what supposed to is? You know, what, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give it to the Lord. You're supposed to trust God. God's already said He's going to take care of us. He said He's going to protect us. He said He's going to bless us. It is something. God said He's going to bless, and then everything starts drying up. Lord, that's a test, isn't it? It's the way it happens sometimes, isn't it? All right, so, so what do you, you're supposed to turn to God. You're supposed to trust Him. Check in for orders. Let's see what Abraham does. Here, here it says that, that in reference to this famine... Abram goes, he went down to Egypt. Okay, now, now think about it. Get the picture now. Okay, so you got a little map right there, our little map. This is where he starts. This is, this is, this is Babylonia, the region. So he was a Babylonian to start with. He goes to Haran. This is where God really speaks to him, in Haran. His father dies right there too in Haran. Okay, and then he travels south down into Canaan. And then he went down down, get, get, are you getting a picture here? The, the text is, is drawing us a picture. He went down to Egypt. Now, I don't know if you know about the scripture, but when they, whenever they talk about Jerusalem in the Bible, which will come later in David's time, it, they always go up to Jerusalem because that's where the name of God is. That's where the place of God is. That's where the temple is. So you're always going up to Jerusalem. But guess when it comes to Egypt, you're always going down. Hmm. It's interesting how they worded it. They, they knew what they were doing. So, so he leaves, get the picture now. He leaves the promised land and goes down to Egypt. And if you read your text already, you notice it doesn't go very well for him, right? Because Egypt's not a good place for the most part. So, so there's, now get this. I'm not trying to infer too much, but it doesn't say. There's no record of him praying, seeking God, asking for help. There's no record of that. There's no record of God saying, go to Egypt. What did it say? It didn't say God said go. It says he went. Right? So what was God's last instruction to him? Well, go here. Go to the land of Canaan. That's his last instruction. Okay? All right, that, that, so you want to go down to Egypt. Really, Abram? Do you really want to go down to Egypt? You sure about this? It's a bad move. Or it's, at least it's a bad place. Who, who lives down there? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, mm-hmm. he's down there, ain't he? I don't know if you knew that little tune I just sang. There's a little old song that said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay, so that comes later in the story, obviously. But, but Pharaoh's down there. Now, just so you know, in the time frame of stuff, this is the, this is the time that archaeologists believe that they started building the pyramids. Okay, all them big giant pyramids and stuff like that down there. This is about that time, about 2200 B.C., something like that. Okay. So what I'm telling you that for is Egypt's a superpower by now. They're serious business. So he, Abram seems to make this decision on his own. You ever done something just like that? You didn't mean nothing bad. You didn't do it, but you just did what you felt was best. And you kind of did your calculator thing and you thought about the pros and the cons. And you said, ah, let's go do it. And then the wheels come off. Mm-hmm. So he isn't sent. He just went. 
Okay? The text kind of tells us that. Because right? Egypt in the Bible is almost always a symbol of oppression, for sure, sin, the enemy, and the old life. Anybody know Steve Green? Anybody remember Steve Green back in the 70s? The singer Steve Green? Anybody know him? He was a contemporary singer. He had a, he had a song. That's kind of where I got my title idea. So you want to go back to Egypt. Remember when they, when they were, I think it's in Numbers, where they got in, in a tight and they said, we want to go back to Egypt. At least we had garlic and stuff to eat and leeks and we had a little fish. Yeah, we had a like, but Keith Green, you might want to look him up. He, he's he's a little different vibe, but he was kind of like a prophet. He he died pretty young, uh, in a plane crash. But he was he was quite the quite the deal. I bet you Jerry Brown knows who Keith Green is. I can guarantee you. Y'all probably listened to him in youth group, didn't you? Or did you? He's got a real unique style to it. Buddy Green, you know who Buddy Green is? No, sir. He's the one who wrote the music for Mary. Did you know? Okay, I'm he's not. A very talented dude. I'm not sure. I don't I don't know. I don't know. So Abram, you really want to go down to Egypt. Now the good news is God's going to go with Abraham down into Egypt. Aren't you glad God didn't just abandon him? That, that gives me some hope that even, even when, when I, I make a, maybe a bad decision or a bad move, it's not like God abandons me. Now I, I learned that. I learned that early on in my Christian walk. Okay? When, when I first got saved, I, I was pretty lost, y'all, when I, when I, Really got serious about Jesus. Now, I was raised in church, so I had all the little children's church experiences that were important and seeds in my life, and the youth group camp experiences. I had all of those kind of things, and I had some, some important moments in, in, with God. But then by the time I hit a teenager, man, I went the other way as hard and fast as I could. It was not good. I, I did everything I could to make my daddy look like a fool. Now, that wasn't my intent. I just, that was just kind of the fruit of it all. Uh, and then when I got saved, I still, you know, I was playing a lot of ball and hanging out with a lot of buddies and we did a lot of traveling and going places. So I, I got, I got like half saved. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like half saved where I, I just was a little bit in, a little bit out. And I was trying to do right and then I'd go do wrong. And then I'd, you know, pray and be upset about it and then I'd go back and do right. I, I did that for a little while. That's tough. That's a, that's a tough way to live. I had a buddy tell me one time who had a real struggle with alcohol. He said, you don't know how to kill a man? He said, give him a heart full of Jesus and a belly full of alcohol. It'll kill a man. That's about the truth. You know? Because you start having this war inside of you. And that, that, that's that's kind of what I was doing. And so I, I had, a, had a real bad season I went through and ended up a girl. I thought we were going to get married and all this kind of stuff. We were in college. She broke up with me. These women, you know, they just really. Where would country music be without women? Breaking our hearts. Breaking our hearts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway. She just flat out jerked that joker out and stomped it flat. You know what I'm saying? There's an old song about that too, I think. <laughs> Achy, break your heart or something like that. Uh, so I, I, I went through a real hard few days. Did some, did some things I shouldn't have done. And I wasn't actually sober at the time. And I was in a place I shouldn't have been. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what are you doing here? I mean, I'm the only one that heard it. He said, what are you doing here? You know, I don't like you in here. 
Now, see, that may not mean anything to you, but see, I thought I'd blown it. I, I thought he was done with me at that point because I, I, I went bad, bad. <laughs> but he spoke to me and let me know he was still with me. And you want to get sober real quick, hear God speak to you when you're like that. It sobered me up for life, really. Now, I don't tell you that to give you any kind of license. I just tell you that when you're in covenant with God, he's with you. He's with you through thick and thin. Anybody else got a testimony like that? That he's been, you took the Holy Spirit to some places that probably shouldn't have been. And then you wake up and you find out he's still with you. Hmm. Now, you don't want to test that too far because there are probably limits to his mercy, you know. But God's with us through the good. Thank God for that. He's with us through the bad. And sometimes it gets real ugly. Okay, now those were real early days with Jesus. So don't go putting that on the internet. Say the pastor talked about this last week. <laughs> that was a long time ago. A long time ago. Okay. All right. But just know this too, that some bad decisions will cost you greatly. So be careful. Just be careful. All right. And, and, all right. Let's get verse number 11. Pick up some more text. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt. He's going to get a little plan going here. That he said to Sarah, his wife, he said, Indeed, I know that you are a good-looking woman. Every, all my buddies think you just hot. You are a woman of beautiful countenance. That's the King James way to say, <laughs> that girl is something else. <laughs> now, she's in her 60s, so some, something like that at this particular time. I mean, she must have been a looker. Because he, he's saying, I know you're a beautiful woman. So it's going to happen when, we, when the Egyptians see you. That they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Okay. So, did he just lie? Did he just tell her to lie? There just ain't no way about it. He was going to be deceptive about this thing. So kind of, yeah, they're kin now. They are kin. So fear causes Abraham to lie. They'll do that to you sometimes. So Abraham comes with this plan. Now this plan is to protect himself, but he's going to put his wife in danger. You see? Now, it turns out he's actually right about the situation. That's what actually happens. But let me ask you this. Can you be right about something but wrong in the way you handle it? Mm-hmm. There ain't no doubt about it. So let's get some more text on it right here. Verse 14. So it was. It kind of plays out like he thought. When Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman. She was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and said, Pharaoh, there's a woman down there. You're going to like her. They committed her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. wonder what they're going to do with her. I mean, they snatched her off the camel. <laughs> then taking her. They're going to put her in the hair. That's what they're going to do. She's going to be his girl. He's going to be, she's going to be Saturday night <laughs> for Pharaoh. I'm just telling you. That's what do you think's going on here? <laughs> hey, y'all. 
Yeah. Especially if you're the king. These kings especially. Okay. Yeah. So uh, y'all, uh, this is just the way I read the Bible now. I just see it, see it like that. So they took her to Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abram well. He said, man, I like your sister. Here's a little, little side business here. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. He just gave them. He said, man, how much you want for this girl? Really? That's what's happening here now. A little exchange. Kind of. It's, it's not good. Things go different down in Egypt now. It's, it's, not, it's not God's place. That's the enemy's territory down there. So he gives them all this stuff. And uh, now look, look at it. Just a, just a little side note. Male and female servants. We don't know it for sure. But there's strong possibility. Because she's an Egyptian. That Hagar is in that number. Remember Hagar? That's the one he's going to have Ishmael with. She's probably in that number right there, okay? Just side note. But God's going to intervene over this boy who stretched the truth a little too far. Put his wife in danger. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So God intervenes on his behalf. Isn't that something? I mean, the boy even lied and God stepped in for him. Because this is going to be his power couple. Yeah, he took it all. He's going to get out of Egypt. He's going to get a little more, I think, in a minute. So uh, I, I often wondered, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house. I often wonder what were the plagues and how did Pharaoh know that it was Sarah? I, I mean, we don't know. But what were the plagues? I mean, who knows? It could have been sickness. It could have been calamity of some kind. It could have been kitchen fires. It could have been a whole lot of stuff. But somebody, it, well, could have been, you know, God's going to give Pharaoh some dreams later on too. So God could have told him in a dream. Or it could be that they just kind of did the math. And they looked at her and said, girl, ever since you've been here, things ain't been going right. <laughs> I don't know. And they may have just done the math and said, you know, ever since that, ever since last Tuesday, it ain't been good around here. It must be your fault. Because they're pretty superstitious kind of people anyway. So, God's going to intervene. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, man, what are you doing? This is going to be real interesting because the pagan is now going to give a moral lesson to the man of faith. Whew, that's, kind of, that's kind of difficult. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did he not tell? Well, he's scared. He knew he'd probably take him. And could have been a chance of that. But we see Abraham didn't trust God. He concocted the plan. That's what the text is telling us. Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Man, you put us all in a bad spot. Man, I... I mean, we didn't do nothing to her, but what if I would have? Then we, it would have shown up in trouble then. Okay. Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. 
Now, therefore, here is your wife. Get this woman out of here. <laughs> you hear? Take her and go your way. Get, y'all, y'all get out of here. So why, why did they go to Egypt in the first place? Was it? Because of the famine and what, what, was in, what was in Egypt. There must have been food down there, right? Y'all take her and y'all, y'all just y'all leave. Y'all get out of here. And so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Hmm. I wonder why he didn't just slay the whole bunch. I think he knew. Just God protected them. Because, you know, you're going to pull one over on Pharaoh, you're not going to live to tell about it, really. God had to protect him. That, that I will bless those that bless you. He actually blessed Abraham, so God blessed him. Even, even though, it's just really interesting to me that even though Abraham was wrong, God still intervened on his behalf. That, that, that gives me a lot of comfort. Okay? Now, don't, don't keep testing that, because soon God will have to put the hammer down on you. This is not the same Pharaoh that enslaved. Oh, no, no, no. No, that'll be, that'll be yeah, yeah. way on down the road. Exactly. It's like the word for king. Yeah, like the word for king or champion, something like that. So now, it's going to be a long ride home for Abram and Sarah. I'm just thinking. The conversation that those two had on the way back to the promised land. Can you imagine? Man, you put me in a spot. Abram, you know what they were doing back over there in that harem, what they were doing, what they were going to do? You, you put me in that spot, boy, I tell you what, don't you ever, ever tell me to lie for you again. You understand? You saved your butt and put mine on the line. Now, I'm, I, this conversation is happening. It happens in the minivan every day. You know what I'm talking about? It is happening. And that was a long ride to the promised land. All right, so now here's some faith lessons. We'll wrap it up with this. I just kind of uh, jumbled them all up together, but I mean, all of these are preached for an hour. Listen, don't leave your promised land for Egypt. It's a bad trade-off. That's a bad trade-off, okay? Second one, God is so good to us, sometimes we still get blessed while we make a mess. Mm-hmm. That's somebody's testimony. That's mine. Third faith lesson. God is with us in our good decisions and our bad ones. We kind of talked about that. He's with you. Now certainly he can use your good decisions a little bit different than he does your bad decisions. So give thanks for the good ones. Thank God for the wisdom. Thank God for the leadership he's provided. Thank God for leading you and guiding you and blessing you. And learn from the bad ones. There's only, there's only a worse thing than making a, a mistake or getting into sin. The worst thing is, is repeating it and doing it again. Because you didn't learn the lesson. So maybe you made some bad decisions. Nobody in here has been perfect in that for sure. Learn the lesson and don't repeat. Do not repeat them. All right? A couple more. This, this is my favorite one. The Lord is faithful to rescue us out of our troubles, even if it's our fault. I got a long list of stuff. It's my fault. God just bailed me out. 
or help me out. You know what I'm talking about? I'm glad. There's a, there's a truth in Romans 5.20. It says this. Wherever sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That's a good word. That's a good word. Two more and we'll wrap it up. Being a faithful person doesn't mean you're a perfect person. Isn't that true? Guess how many perfect people God has? Jesus. That's it. I think, I think Pastor Benny's motto of his church and my dad's motto for his church for a long time was the perfect church for people who aren't perfect. <laughs> That'd be us. They'd just join in with us, can't they? <laughs> and here, now if we read on into chapter 13, first four or five verses, I think it is, you, you would find this truth right here. When you get out of Egypt, go back to the altar. This is what Abram does. When he gets out of Egypt, remember that altar we just saw him built, Bethel and Ai right there, he built that altar right there. He goes right back to that same place that he built. He goes back to the altar again. And sometimes we got to go back again and get it right. You know what I'm talking about? So when, yeah, because he's a smart man. He, he figured it out at that point. I, I believe he figured it out about the time he saw them guards and like, oh, Lord, I'm neck deep now in this mess. Where are we going? All right, I'll tell you what. You, you, all right, I'll tell you what. You, you lie and uh, I'll live. <laughs> that's good that's good so when you get out of Egypt go back to the altar maybe you need to do that that's a good place to always be alright let's pray ask the Lord to help us Father we thank you so much for these stories we thank you for the life of Abram Lord you changed his name to Abraham and just did a wonderful work in him and established your covenant in the earth and Lord we're blessed that, that word said that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed our lives have been blessed because of Abraham and we thank you Lord and I pray you would help us to have the kind of faith that pleases you. The kind of faith that hears what you say and just simply does it. Lord, I just thank you for being with us as we make all these mistakes in life and we figure it out and stumble along the way. And hopefully when we fail, we'll fall forward. And we know you're going to rescue us. You're going to help us, Lord. Thank you. Give us the wisdom that we need so we can follow you with everything we've got. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.